0: Welcome to Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan and you're listening to Well Connected. A few weeks ago, I had the real pleasure to catch up with one of our industry's chief roaming architects and specialists, Global Wholesale and Partnership Executive for Roaming, SMS, Wi-Fi and Voice at Globocom Nigeria, Consolata Ugboko. In her interview, Consolata talks about how she got into telecoms, her personal view on the telecoms market in Africa and shares interesting insights into what it's like to build a roaming team from nothing.
1: Coming into the industry at this point in time, you should make yourself available for change at any point in time because the industry is dynamic. You should be able and be ready for change at any point in time. Don't be straight-laced or say, oh no, I must do things this way.
0: It's a real pleasure to be here with Consolata from GLOW, Nigeria. How are you doing today, Consolata?
1: I'm fine, Jason. I'm perfectly fine today. How are you, too?
0: I'm great. How is Nigeria today? What's the weather like there?
1: It's sunny. <laughs> it's actually very hot today.
0: <laughs> so, Consolata is a person I've met in the industry several times, and I thought it would be really cool to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell me the story of, of how you started in telecoms? What did you study at university?
1: Okay. Our sciences I studied microbiology, pure science
0: and so you weren't sure at university you were going to go into a telecoms company
1: so there was no plan for telecoms at all like i always wanted to be in oil and gas (laughs) that was my vision from university
0: why oil and gas why energy companies what was the appeal
1: well they were stable at that period there were the stable companies that paid good salaries right
0: so it was about finding something where you for sure could have a long career
1: Yes, yes. Most people that you knew were in oil and gas had been there for ages.
0: As a girl, growing up in Benin City, you wanted to go into oil and gas because it was a good job, but what did you really want to do?
1: Okay, really, when I was growing up, I had no inkling about oil and gas. When I was growing up, I wanted to be an architect. I was good in technical drawing. I liked to draw. So then my vision was, oh, I want to build houses. I want to build bridges. I wanted to be an architect. That was my vision. Then, of course, that quickly changed. Once I entered university, that changed. But my initial vision as a girl was I wanted to be an architect. Everybody else wanted to read medicine and pharmacy and some other thing. I wasn't interested in any of that. I wanted to use my hands. I loved drawing. I was always sketching. I was always drawing one thing or the other. So.
0: So you wanted to be an architect, you were drawing all the time. You got to university and you realised this wasn't something that realistically you could do.
1: The reason why I kind of, when I got into university, was like, oh no, architecture you have to do it for five years. I said, no, I can't be here for five years. I don't want to be here for five years. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of a stupid way of switching to sciences. I always loved sciences. I was always good in sciences. So sciences was not a new terrain for me. But uh, that's how I switched from my drawing days to pure sciences.
0: Just because you wanted to get into work and you wanted to start somewhere with work.
1: Yes, you think, oh, I'm in a hurry. I don't have five years to spend in university. I'm in a great hurry. I want to graduate quickly and jump into the workforce. Hmm. <laughs> so, so that's strange. you can imagine. Yeah.
0: No, I can. I know exactly what you mean. It was a a question for me about how long you study for and, you know, you always just want to get a job because when you're younger, you want to buy things and you want to, you know. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) Because then you're thinking, oh, when when I'm an adult, I'll do this, I'll do that. So your thinking is, oh, I need to get out there quickly and do all the things I've been dreaming I want to do.
0: (laughs) You did an MBA as well. What was your MBA in?
1: My MBA was business administration.
0: Ah, business administration. So this was in around 1995 when you started your career in yes, the energy business. Yes. So basically the job market was very difficult in Nigeria at that time.
1: Uh, well, it has always been difficult. There was no short job waiting for you, definitely, after school. Well, too many graduates, few jobs. So definitely the market was kind of, will I say, full of people looking for jobs. But the good thing is that you could actually get a job in any industry, irrespective of what you read. Most of them had tests. You write tests. Once you write a test and you scale it, they, they don't, really don't care what you read. They felt that the university was a grounding for everybody to come out and come into the workforce.
0: That's a really interesting perspective. Actually, I feel like it's a bit similar to the UK where, you know, my degree was completely different to telecoms and it wasn't even in the business sector.
1: I fell into telecoms by chance because I was looking for a job. I actually wasn't looking for telecoms per se. And I came across the company, then it wasn't even called GLOW. It was called something else. So from the name, you wouldn't even know it was a telecom company. And of course, I applied. Of course, during the interview stage, I got to find out it was a telecom company, newly licensed. It wasn't a planned action at all. But of course, when I got in, it was a very interesting find. Then we were just a brand new licensee. We had just received the license to run the G- a GSM operation. But we hadn't started at all. It was a brand new entity. But after a while, I think due to change in government, the license was revoked, so we had to start again. We had to bid again for a license, which we got two years later. GlobalCom was born then. It was no longer CIL, it became GLO.
0: The actual telecom's license was revoked? And so you had to apply for the license as an operator again. You actually worked on the bid for that.
1: Well, it was a small team then, but everybody had a part to play in the new bid. And we had a lot at stake too. So everybody (laughs) was really involved. (laughs) We were all so interested in this new telecom company, which we thought would be a new direction for many of us.
0: Tell me what was appealing to you about telecoms at that time.
1: You know, initially I was interested in technology then, so it was like, oh, this sounds new, this sounds good, I would like to know more. So, of course, I did some digging and found out that, okay, this is what they do, okay, this this sounds interesting, I would like to be in this field. So it was a new challenge, let me put it that way, it was a new interesting challenge, that's the way I saw it then.
0: And what role did you play in
1: GlobalCom at that time? So many roles. I was recruited for sales. At that startup stage, I was doing recruitment, I was doing administration, I was doing everything. We're doing everything. We're few, and of course, so you had to wear many caps.
0: So you were working...
1: as they say. Yes, exactly. So I was recruited for retail sales. So of course, when we had launched and um, things had stabilized a bit, I now went over to retail sales, which was what I was actually recruited for. But, of course, my stay there was very short-lived because we had barely started before I was moved to start the international units.
0: For carrier services, right? And,
1: for... Yes, for carrier services upon for roaming. It was kind of brand new. It was interesting of course. it was hard work then. And, of course, we had no foreknowledge. So it was really a brand new territory.
0: And what year was this?
1: This was in 2003.
0: And so you had to build the roaming function completely yourself?
1: I had two other colleagues who were, one was technical, one was also commercial, but he was short-lived. He didn't stay long. He left quickly after, shortly after we started. But we, and I now also, I just had the technical guy to fall on. So you can imagine, it was really, really grilling at the beginning, but it was interesting.
0: So how did you start to develop the international team? What was some of the first things you did? Can you remember?
1: The very first thing we did was to set up our pop in the UK. Our pop was for our international voice business. So that was the very first thing we did. All hands were on deck to get that pop <laughs> first.
0: So this was 2003. When did you set up the first roaming partner then?
1: The first roaming partner was life before the end of that year, before the end of 2003. It was Orange France. Of course, once we had the first launch, everything was, oh, okay, confirmed okay. So it, it became a lot easier for the rest.
0: What did you do to try and get people to take notice of Globacom at that time? Because there was already Airtel and MTN.
1: I had to be seriously persistent. There was persistence. They all came up with the same reply. I already have two partners. I already have two partners. I say, well, you need the third partner that will offer you better rates, better hands-on feedback. It was persistence, really. You know how the industry is. They just tell you, no, I'm not interested and they just buzz off. Mm-hmm. You have to continue beating at their doors. No, I have something different I'm going to offer you. And once we had launched a few, of course others started listening. Oh, okay, their life. Okay. So it became a bit easier.
0: And you were the first network with data roaming, isn't that correct?
1: Yes, surprisingly, even though we're two years late, we we're the first to launch data roaming. And of course, we worked tirelessly to get that launched. Luckily, we had that monopoly for two full years before any other person launched data.
0: So you had a real head start over the other operators.
1: Because of that data launch, we got some key partners to come on board that you know had previously been very slow, and we had some others that were on board were not really le- using us. They started using us because of data. The honours then was okay. Let's quickly work on increasing our coverage globally, and of course, getting more partners in, getting more people to recognize that we're serious and we're ready to deliver on our promises. And of course, shortly after then, we had the license in Benin, So of course, there was another roaming country to add to Nigeria. So our, our bargaining strength increased a bit, where we can offer you two networks. And a couple of years later, we had Ghana to add on to that.
0: So you were expanding into a group and you had to manage the roaming solution centrally, I guess.
1: Yes, yes, we do that. We manage three networks centrally, though they all have independent networks, but the services are managed centrally. Network elements are very different.
0: So a long history in telecoms. What do you think to telecoms today?
1: The good thing about telecoms is that um, There's always something, some new technology, some new thing that we are adding on to what already exists. So I don't think telecoms will ever be be a boring sector for anybody. There's continuous innovation and something new coming up all the time. So for me, telecoms is always something interesting. In this wave of IoT, there are new things to do. Okay, instead of just doing traditional roaming, how can I get enterprises interested in IoT so that we can build something beyond the borders? Roaming I mean, in itself seems to be like, oh, they say it's traditional, but I think with the growth in technology, there are new ways you can do different things with. in addition to the traditional roaming of, with your phone. So it's not something that will get boring anytime soon. I don't think so.
0: And how is the launch of 4G? People are, have changed habits because with 4G, you have a number of new benefits, right? You can download things, you can connect to the cloud. It's faster. But people are also streaming video and different things like that. Is
1: Practically everybody's on is on one data plan or the other. So everybody has embraced the increase in data usage or the increase in data speeds. For most of us, we of course, with the new handsets coming up, with the new smartphones coming up, the demand for 4G is even higher. So you find everybody with their latest handsets with the 4G SIM, and of course, gosling up data so quickly.
0: And what about the Internet of Things? Is Internet of Things really taking off in Africa? Do you think that it's something that a lot of operators are thinking about?
1: Mm, it has been slow, really slow, surprisingly. But I think maybe in the next few years, it will take off. But for now, things have been kind of slow with the Internet of things. I don't know why, maybe because... The operator may be aware, the enterprise customers or the enterprise segments are not really fully abreast of what kind of value they can get from this. But from what I hear around, I think something is about to take off. So I think um, in the next couple of years, we should have some development in that sector.
0: So in terms of Glow right now, 4G is launched. You're thinking also about a p SMS and, and SMS services like mobile engagement. Is that also something that's common in Africa?
1: a2p is is very old in nigeria now our banks have been strong a2p customers for 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 many years now many other sectors have embraced a2p so it's something that has been on for many years now customers will continue to demand immediate responses immediate feedback on purchases immediate so for now it's riding high in nigeria amongst all sectors various sectors
0: okay so I was reading the newspaper recently and in the newspaper, they were saying if more women don't get into technology and telecoms, then the future of telecoms as we know it is going to be designed by men. What do you think to that?
1: I think that is very true because in today's telecom sector, the gender diversity is very, is glaring. You have so much more men than women in any position, not even just positions of power. And I think it's worse in Africa. You have more men up there than women. For what we know, women have been making um, inroads in various technological sectors. So it's high time women are given the opportunity to grow and to develop in the telecom sector too. And of course, like we know, not because I'm a woman. Women always come with something extra.
0: What was it like for your career in telecoms? Were you treated any differently than men in general when you were building the teams and when you were delivering projects?
1: Not really. I think I was one of the lucky few. But to a certain extent, there's still that feeling that you are not being given as much opportunities as the man. It's still there. In the African telecom sector, from what I've seen across various networks, there's still a limit to where you can get to. There seems to be a glass ceiling over your head. We are calling for equality. We're not calling for men to be removed. We're calling for equality (laughs) across genders. The men should be given the opportunity, but the women should also be given the same opportunities. I was always ready to get my hands dirty. I never said, oh, I'm a woman, I can't do this, no. I was always ready to do anything that needed to be done to get the job done. So maybe that's why I've been lucky. But like I said, we are very sparsely spread, very few women. There's still a lot of room for women to come into the sector.
0: And thinking about your telecoms career, uh, Consolata, you've been in telecoms over 14 years. What lessons do you think that you've learned from this experience?
1: or will I say the key takeaway for me is uh, the fact that you could have something that was almost nothing and see it grow and develop into something that's quite astronomical so open my eyes to the possibility of what technology could be and what possibilities technology holds so that's my takeaway from telecoms but lessons I specifically I learned was a hard work always space if you work hard you get the desired results and I think that's the same across any segment it's not telecom specific He also taught me that you could break down cultural barriers because in relating with people who were non-English speaking or had poor English or their first language wasn't English or cutting across boundaries, various parts of the world. So it gave me that foresight that you can actually get into any segment of uh, the world where you want to do business. If you are persistent and if you do some groundwork, just from the top of my head, that's what Mm -hmm. I would say I've garnered from my 14 years plus in telecoms.
0: And for people who are thinking about entering into the telecom sector at the moment, what advice might you give them?
1: I don't think there's an industry-specific advice. It's the same thing as any job. If you're coming into the industry at this point in time, you should make yourself available for change at any point in time because the industry is dynamic. You should be able and... Be ready for change at any point in time. Don't be straight-laced or say, oh, no, I must do things this way. When the wind of change comes, you should be ready to change with, with things. And, of course, work hard, which is standard for any industry. You need to work hard to get ahead. That's standard. I worked in oil and gas, and I discovered it was quite a boring segment of the industry, so to speak. Fine, yes, which is true. The job is stable, but <laughs> there's nothing new. But now that I know better, I will definitely not have that same dream.
0: It seems to me that you have had an amazing career in telecoms. Consolata, thank you very much for your time. We look forward to seeing you again in industry events.
1: I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for your time, too.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Look out for more in the Well Connected series in the coming weeks. We also managed to get some great interviews with Pontus Berg from Trilio. Roaming used to be more fun, everything that is regulated, everything that becomes more into strict and rigid processes, then you become a small cogwheel and the room to innovate is less now. And with Tom Noel from JT Global. You have to look at IoT. Everything is IoT, and you read the Gartner reports around you know, the size of the market. It's a huge, exciting area for us. And for JT, we are committed to making sure we are seen in the next five years as much as an IoT company as a telcom. These two well-connected podcasts will be coming out very soon, so stay tuned to Rocker Radio for more information. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan, and you've been listening to Well Connected from Rocker Radio.